Let's be honest, few humans enjoy meetings and many feel trapped in meetings. As leaders, we don't want to burden those we lead, but meetings can seem to do that more often than not. We wanted to address the pain of meetings through the Meetings with Saints Library. Here we have 15 plus presentations dedicated to improving the meetings we run. We have experts in the field addressing topics like getting people involved in meetings, staying on task, dealing with conflict in meetings, and a ton more. We'd love you to explore the full Meetings with Saints library over 14 days at no cost to you. You can do this by visiting leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. We'll also give you access to all of our virtual libraries that educate about other leadership topics. It's really good stuff. So visit leadingsaints.org 14 or click the link in the show notes. So my name is Kurt Frankum, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of an of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're, uh, they're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy's doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. Today, I'm connecting with Joseph Dixon. Uh, Joseph, welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Well, good to be here. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, this is, uh, we we were just uh, joking, and I guess it's not a joke, but we, we're old friends. Uh, you, we've been in touch through Leading Saints for many years now, even back from your time when you lived in Houston, right? Do you remember how you first came across Leading Saints? My wife told me about it. She had seen it on a Facebook page or something and told me about it, and I looked you up and started listening way back then. Nice. And haven't stopped or any, any breaks? In no, there? I haven't stopped. I <laughs> have a, now I, I mean, I used to have a two hour commute every day so I could listen to a lot of podcasts. So yeah, you're nice. my favorites. And then, um, now where we live, I have a 15 minute commute and I still listen to your podcast going and coming. And nice. Stuff. And, uh, you're currently in North Salt Lake. So, uh, was it a job that brought you from Texas to Utah? It is. It is. Uh-huh. 
Nice. Nice. And you're currently serving as a Sunday school president in your board. Is this the first go at this calling? Uh, first, first, first go as a Sunday school president. Nice. And, uh, what was your, like walking into this calling? Like what was your first, like what were the first thoughts or revelations that came to mind? Cause sometimes the joke is that this is, you just, you're the bell ringer and that's about what you do. Right. Uh, so how did you, uh, approach this calling just walking into it? Well, I'm in, in my past lives, I've, I've been a member of uh, several bishoprics. So I've been uh, working with Sunday school presidents before. So it wasn't a new thing to me and very familiar with the handbook and everything and very familiar with, um, with, um, teaching in the savior's way or, or teacher's councils and that. And so it was just a matter of getting started. When I first got called, I was the first counselor in the Sunday school presidency, um, with another gentleman that had been in the ward a while. And a month later, he moved with his family, and so they made me Sunday school president. So nice. Now, and, and these teacher council meetings are interesting because I think back in in three hour church days, they they seem to be more consistent, and then it sort of got lost in the shuffle for a lot of wards, just because you know it's different week to week. And so, how do you do? You know that what the general guideline is as far as the teacher council meetings? Then how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so we hold teachers council meetings every quarter. Hmm. So, and we hold it for our Sunday school teachers. And then we also have a teachers council meeting for our Relief Society and our priesthood and our young women leaders. And you handle those as two separate meetings or? Yes, yes. So we have Sunday school. Typically, we'll run Sunday school on a uh, priesthood Relief Society week. Oh, okay. And then we'll run um, priesthood Relief Society young women on a Sunday school week. And then we also do the primary teachers as well and leaders. So we handle that on another month and we usually split that up into two different weeks because of uh, primary substitutes and stuff like that. So we work with our primary presidency on, on when best to hold those. And we usually hold those, like I said, for a couple of weeks in a row. Nice. And so in, re- in relation to the primary, do they just uh, do it all in one week and just bite the bullet and get subs for everybody so that you can do the teacher council uh, meeting? We split it into two weeks. So we have okay. one week, we'll have half the teachers and the other week we'll have the other half the teachers. And we usually, as a Sunday school presidency, we usually help the Sunday school president find substitutes. So we'll go to the Relief Society or, the, or our Sunday school teachers and ask them to step in for yeah. that while they're holding teacher council. And then maybe just give us the lay of the land as far as what your ward is, is like in North Salt Lake. I would imagine it's a pretty traditional Utah ward, but, um, and then how that, um, how that impacts your calling as a Sunday school president. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably pretty typical Utah ward, although it's, it's very diverse. Our, our Bishop, our previous Bishop, when we first moved into the ward was from Guatemala and our current Bishop is from uh, Nicaragua. Hmm. And, um, we have uh, we have a, a cultural diversity in our ward, which makes it really nice. The whole stake has a big cultural diversity in it. So we have a lot of Tongans, a lot of uh, you know uh, Southeast Asians, and then um, a lot of Spanish in our wards. So it's kind of yeah. nice. It's, it reminds me of Houston. Houston's a lot like that. So yeah, yeah. And then with uh, Sunday school, do you have a couple of the adult Sunday school classes, and then? How does that look for the the youth Sunday school and so forth? 
Yeah, so we have one we have one adult class. So we have one adult uh, class. Uh, it's pretty full right now. We're looking at probably the first year split it into two. Hmm. Um, most of our most of our single adults go to a single adult ward. And so we don't have a lot of single adults that attend the family ward. And so we haven't really split off a single adult uh, Sunday school class. If we did have more single adults, I think I would definitely want to have a single adult Sunday school, you know, operated by the single adults. Yeah. As yeah. Teachers. And then we have the youth classes. We have uh, four different youth classes right now. So nice. And then what about like, do you have any type of, rotation or, you know, with your, I assume you have two counselors and, uh, do you have a secretary? We don't have a secretary. No okay, so counselors. Yes. A team of three there. And, uh, is there any like routine you do, or do you just sort of participate in the adult Sunday school and call it good? No, we actually attend the classes. I like to, I like to get to each one of the classes every quarter if I can. And I have my counselors attend some of the classes as well. And then we report on that in our meetings. Nice. Nice. So, uh, I guess what, uh, started this conversation that which led to you have, uh, sitting in the hot seat here today is I send out a weekly newsletter, um, where I'll generally start the newsletter off with a message that a topic that's on my mind, it might be related to Sunday school. It might be related to meeting management or just some, some cultural dynamic that we, we face in, in our religious, religious community. And, uh, there was a few, a series of a few, uh, newsletters where I focused on the second hour and Sunday school in particularly, and just, uh, how things happen in Sunday school. And I think generally speaking, especially in this come follow me, uh, atmosphere and environment, you know, right now we're studying the old Testament, the end of uh, 2022. And so, uh, there's this feeling of, okay, here's the block of scriptures for the week. Uh, the teacher studies those and walks in there and, and there's sort of this extra pressure of, you know, putting the, you know, really hammering out the, the history related to these scriptures, the, the political dynamics and whatever, uh, the chapter they're in and, and, and then, you know, the stories, the people involved, and you could fill a whole Sunday school class with, with just that. And I put out a summary as far as like what people expect from Sunday school, like walking in there as a participant. And what I found was quite different. I feel like the, how the teacher is preparing and delivering the message is often quite different than what the expectations of the participant in the class is expecting. So, uh, are they, are they wanting a, history lesson about Israel, you know, uh, 2000, 3000, 4,000 years ago, or do they want a lesson that actually is going to, uh, uplift their heart and help them feel closer to Christ and be ready for another week. And so anyways, we, we, uh, I, I explored that dynamic and you replied with this, with this email, you said as a Sunday school presidency, we have been focusing our teacher council meetings on this very thing, as far as of making, um, the lessons focused on Christ and his redemptive power. We've been discussing how to bring Christ into every lesson and how come follow me scriptures of the week relate to his mission of redemption. It is hard and takes some personal effort on the part of teachers to encourage class discussions with this primary focus. Our bishopric has changed us with, has charged us with helping all our ward teachers learn how to bring the focus of the savior into all lessons. So anyways, I'm quoting you as you sit with me here, but uh, maybe unpack that a little bit different. Like, uh, what, what, what's the, uh, what's the approach there, uh, that you're trying to accomplish that, where did it begin? And, uh, and then how, how's it going? It's going fairly well. I mean, our, I think our teachers are, uh, 
they catch the vision. Um, and, and I think most people do. I think if you talk to people, even the, like you just said, most of the class members are there, you know, to get the, you know, to feel the spirit and to feel that spirit that will carry them forward for the rest of the week or, or whatever. And I think the teachers are in the same thing. I, I think most, most teachers come from, uh, you know, previous generations where we had gospel doctrine, where we delve yep. deep into the deep into the, you know, the doctrinal nuances of the scriptures over and over again. And I think that has changed, um, you know, uh, 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 President Nelson is is, you know, very strong uh, with that. We need to stand on our own. We need to have a strong testimony. We need to really look towards the Savior and the Spirit and all the other stuff is just nuances of that, including mm-hmm. the scriptures. You know, I tell our teachers, if we were teaching a Sunday school class back at the beginning of, let's say, during Nephi's time, the only scriptures that we would have would be the brass plates. And they would be in Nephi's possession. You wouldn't have them in Sunday school class. <laughs> and so what would you teach? You know, how would you teach? You'd be teaching the words of the existing prophet at the time which would be Lehi and the Nephi. But as far as getting into the facts and and all of the historical nuances and like you said, the political stuff of the times and and the 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 language of them and stuff like that, you couldn't teach that because you didn't have it. And so we are very blessed to have all the scriptures that we have, but what is it really for? The whole purpose of the scriptures that we have is to get us to the point where we know the savior and we know him to the point where he's with us all the time and we feel him with us all the time. And so that's part of the purpose of the scriptures that we have and the living prophets that we have today is to help us to get there. I think the teachers do get it. One thing that we do um, as far as uh, the mechanics of it is we, we try to get our teachers to study the lessons Obviously, Sunday school is every other week. And so if, if you look, the first question that we have from new teachers is, well, do I have to teach both weeks in this week? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, because we got two weeks worth of scriptures in one week. And I tell them, I say, no, what you need to do is study both weeks. And then through prayer and, and feeling of the spirit, feel what the principles are that you really want to touch on. And then look towards what the Savior taught about those principles and then present those through those same scriptures. So quote the scriptures and then present those principles that those scriptures are founded on. You don't need to get into, you know, David and Goliath and David had 12 stones in his pouch and maybe only had 10 and he only threw a few and that was the end of Goliath. Those kind of things are fun stories. But what principles does that really teach us? And that's what you really want to emphasize is those principles and how it relates to the Savior. And why are they in the scriptures? Why is that story there? It's not because it's a fun Bible story that we can tell our kids and grandkids. (laughs) Yeah. Some are some are quite gory, so <laughs> some of them are quite quite descriptive. That's right. So so that's what we're trying to get our teachers to do, and we're finding that our teachers are getting more and more into that, and, and yeah. that's a good thing. It's a transitional time. Like I said, we all grew up with Sunday school classes of you know where the manual had you know ten pages of of you know information, and you were trying to get all that information into the heads of all of your students. 
but now it's a it's a different ball game. We've got you know basically one page of a lesson in the Sunday school manual with a few principles, and then you need to look at those principles. And if you come up with other principles, that's what you need to go for. So, yeah, really, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And the, I sort of the the leadership principle I'm I'm discovering here is that that teachers in a ward need permission from their Sunday school president to not cover it all. Right. Cause there's this feeling of like, Absolutely. I, you know, I, I need to go in there and I got to lay out the, you know, the landscape of history and the, who was King and this and that. And of course, some of those details may be pertinent for your lesson, but uh, you know, there's just that pressure of like oh, two weeks of lesson into one, you know, one hour or 50 minutes of time if I'm lucky. And, but to have permission of from your Sunday school president and think, wait, so even if I just spend the time on two verses and we have a really dynamic conversation, then, then that's okay. And, and so anyways, I feel like that giving them permission is a big part of, uh, of hitting the mark with this. Absolutely. And, and the thing that we really stress in our teacher council meetings is how does it affect the students? And, and we don't only give them the permission, we actually ask them to do that, you know, to look for only one or two principles and just highlight those and spend most of your time in discussion with your students, especially with the youth. I mean, our youth are so, um, when you go to, when you go to high school, you know, which most of our youth are in high school or junior high. And when you go to school, what you get is you get a teacher that's teaching you and filling your head with facts and figures and information. When you're at church, what you want is you want to have the students fill their hearts with the spirit and with an understanding that the savior is on their side a hundred percent of the time, all the time. And that's something you don't get in school and you don't get outside of school typically. But in church, we really want to emphasize that, especially trying to get that emphasized with the youth so that they can not only learn that, learn that and learn, hey, I feel the spirit. This is cool. This is neat stuff. You know, this this isn't just mom and dad or my 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 seminary, my Sunday school teachers telling me this is the biz. Right. This is actual real stuff. And then they can go back home and teach their family about it. And that's yes. what we're encouraging our youth to do is when you discover something, talk to your mom and dad, talk to your siblings about it, talk to your friends about it, you know, how you felt and stuff like that, but they have to feel it first. And that's what we're trying to get them to do. So, yeah. So our Sunday school teachers, we're, we're emphasizing just, just focus on one or two principles. Don't worry about the 5,000 that are in there and all the other stuff that's in there, because in reality, over the course of a lifetime, you will get those other principles as you go through the rest of your life. But just focus on that one or two that stand out to you or that you feel that will touch their their hearts and then just work on those. Yes. And your lesson yes. will carry forward from there. Yeah. You know, when you look at a uh, come follow me lesson. They have that section called ideas for personal scripture study. And, you know, they sort of have these, sometimes they're just one paragraph with a, a header at the top, like just one of those could fill a whole lesson, you know, just diving deep into that concept. And, and then you, you can look at it rather than I have to teach this whole page or which isn't sometimes it's not very long. Uh, we're going to deep dive into this one concept and uh, maybe we'll hit another concept in four years when we come back to this lesson, you know, so exactly, exactly. Right. And, yeah. you know, I know in, uh, in the adult class, um, we teach, you know, a lot of times we try to emphasize when we teach in the adult class that, 
your parents, your, your adults, your leaders in your home, in the church, you need to take charge and, and be able to do the same thing that we're trying to do in Sunday school. And that is pick a principle and teach your, teach your family about it. Go home and, and teach your children about it. That's your, your calling in life is your primary calling in life is to bring up the next generation. And that's what you need to do. And so if you just take one principle that you learn from come follow me and emphasize that all week in your family, just, yeah. you know, just work on that one thing. Love it. Oh, and I love, yeah. I love your comparison with uh, school. You know, some of the intentions we have for school aren't always what we have uh, the same intentions we have for Sunday school. Maybe it's a little bit of misnomer, right? Maybe we should, it's a very kind of old school term, Protestant term of <laughs> maybe it needs to be Sunday, Sunday heart or Sunday spirit, right? That we're, we're trying to take a concept here that we can turn to our families with and perpetuate it. And uh, I love that, that framing of it for sure. Anything else? Um, that you would say in relation to um, like when you stand in front of your teacher councils, like any, any other advice or tips or tricks to help people really focus on the savior and, and that, that redemptive power that, that comes from the knowledge of our savior. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of things I would say, first off, we don't stand in front of the council because it's a council. So it's a little different in a class, right? So it's not a class at all. Uh, we start out our teacher council with, um, the first question that we bring up in our teacher council is, are there any issues that you have? Are there anything that stood out in the last quarter that you want to bring up? And so we spend like the first 15 minutes just talking together as teachers on issues that we may have problems that we have, like, like just, you know, what's hard, what, what are we struggling with in our lessons or with the students or whatever? And then we just discuss it as a, as a group. And so people are free to talk about anything they want to in that, in that council meeting. And then for the second, second part, we go to the um, teaching in the savior's way and we pull out one principle out of that. And then we talk about that principle. Again, it's a discussion. Um, if we're leading as a Sunday school presidency, we'll lead the teacher council meeting, but typically we're not doing the talking. We're just bringing up the principle and saying, we're going to talk about this principle. What do you guys think about this? You know, and, and, and kind of dig into that principle. And then for about the last 10 or 15 minutes, we talk about, okay, how do we apply this in our classrooms? What can we do this next quarter to apply this principle in our classrooms? What are some ideas we have that we can actually take and do. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, we had uh, our last teacher council meeting with our Sunday school teachers. We had, we talked about um, the one and how to reach out to the one in our class, the one that maybe not doesn't come at all or comes once in a while or, or sits um, virtually in the corner, you know, by themselves, so to speak in the class and doesn't really get involved. How do we reach out to them? And, one of our teachers brought up the fact that they they want to um, um, email or text text nowadays. Kids don't email anymore. I found out <laughs> so old school, I guess. But uh, text uh, their students, and we talked about that. And we talked about how can we do that? How can we text our students? Because they would like to text their students, all of them, those that aren't coming and those that are, and just and just talk about just kind of you know again just a little 
short day principal or a week principal before Sunday school to say, hey, you know, we think about this principal or that principal or what do you think about this question or that question? And I thought it was a great idea as a way to show, first off, the student that you care about them, that you're thinking about them, that you're ministering to them, right? So you're ministering to your students. It doesn't have to be, you know, knock on the door and spend two hours with them at their house. You know, and, and we came up with the, you know, the, um, we, we talked a little bit about the logistics of that and that you need to make sure that you include the parents on the text and you make sure that you include both teachers on the text. Should never text a student by themselves. That's yeah, just sure. cool, right. That's just yeah, for yeah. safety. So we, we talked a little bit about that and how you could logistically do that. But it was a great discussion. And we probably talked for 10 minutes on that one thing. How would that look? And how would that affect the students? And what about the students that are way out there, like the 16, 17 year olds that haven't been to church for a long time, right? Or their parents are inactive. I mean, how would you approach that? And it was a great discussion. And that's all we talked about. But it was it was a neat discussion. And I think all the teachers got something out of that, that, hey, there's something that I can do, right? Yep. Something yep. more than just come to church, teach for an hour, go home yep. every other week, right? Twice a month. So it's like, yeah, this calling's a lot more in depth. It yeah. deals with people's lives. It's not just throwing idea or throwing knowledge out to people. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Love that. And sitting in, in those council meetings, is there, are there any other themes that seem to surface more than others as you open it up to get their input or to have them share their concerns or, or issues they struggle with? No, I don't think so. It's a little diverse. Um, I think the adult teachers are a little bit different than the, than the 11 year old teachers, you know, uh, so yeah. it's a little bit different. I mean, the 11 year old teachers talk about, you know, the 11 year old, the 11 year old youth are, you know, they're really neat and cool, but they're all wound up, right. They're all, they've all got like super extra energy. And we talk about, yeah, if we could just bottle that, we'd make a million. Right. So, but uh, those kind of things. And we talk about how to approach them. So there's a little, there's some nuances there on the different age groups and going from adults to, to kids and stuff. So. Yeah. And that's what I love that you, you know, you're breaking up with somewhat different groups that are similar to the dynamic, you know, they'd have similar dynamics, but you know, I'm sure meeting with the primary teachers, you're very much focused on teaching children, right. And the dynamics yeah. come up that way. Absolutely, so. Yes. Nice. Love it. And man, I bet, uh, and again, I don't, I only have my own experience, but I don't know, again, how many uh, teacher council meetings that are still being happened even quarterly. And so, but I, I would imagine your primary presidency is very grateful for the Sunday school presidency in your board because you are proactively, you know, reaching out to those primary teachers and, and creating a container where they can come into and discuss how to improve teaching or share ideas and whatnot. Yes, yes. And I, I think they are. The, well, I know they are because in work council, I mean, they bring it up that the primary teacher or the primary president brings that up in work council when the time starts to roll around for the next quarter. You know, yeah. when are we going to do it? What are the dates? And are you still going to get us substitute teachers and all of that? So, <laughs> those questions come up for sure. We did yeah. try one thing um, at the beginning of the year. We, we tried to do it with families. So we tried to do teacher council meeting with families. Hmm. It, didn't, it didn't quite work out as well as, as we wanted it to. In fact, it, it really, 
it really didn't work out at all. We had, <laughs> we had two weeks set up and really nobody showed up. So it was kind of like the, the bishopric really didn't want to assign families or assign parents to it just because of the, the, you know, the feeling of, oh, well, you're trying to work on my family, huh? So now I got to go to this <laughs> class to learn how to be a mom and dad, you know. Uh -huh. so he, they really didn't want to do that. And I understand that. And I thought that was a very good, reasonable thing. And so we kind of asked the, the Elders Quorum and Relief Society to kind of step up and maybe maybe ask some families if they would like to participate and that kind of didn't go through. So I think this next year we'll try to push it again because I think it's extremely important. I mean, really the, the training has to start in the home and that's why we really encourage our youth, especially our youth to go home with those, those principles that they've learned and, and teach it to their mom and dad. Yeah. And we, and we, and we remind the youth moms and dads don't know everything, right? Just because they're your mom, even the 11 year olds, you know, they don't know anything yet. They're still learning. They're still learning their ropes and trying to feel their way through life. But we remind them mom and moms and dads don't know everything. And so there's things that you will know or that you'll feel that you should bring up to them and have a discussion with them. It'll be kind of and then let us know how it goes type of thing, you know. So, yeah. So that's that's something that we encourage our teachers to do. Well, I love you bring that up just because, I mean, obviously, on these how I lead segments, we we love to hear about the ideas that were super successful, but it's it's cool to hear that you know some ideas flop or you have to regroup and try it again, you know. And, yeah. and but and, but I also love just that idea of making it available again, not mandating it, but making it available to parents out there uh, who maybe feel like you know I want to do more of this come follow me approach and you know home centered approach, but I, I I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what I'm doing and and so to have a place where they can go and learn. I, I love that idea. I think uh, we'll put it out to the leading saints world and we can all uh, put it in our incubators and see what we can learn and and we'll share ideas going forward. So really yeah, cool. for sure, for sure. How about any um, just with working with your counselors? Any dynamics worth mentioning there? I mean, do you have regular presidency meetings? Do you just sort of talk uh, before you go into Sunday school or it, I mean, how does that dynamic work? Yeah, we have regular presidency meetings, not regular. I mean, we should have it better. I think, I think we need <laughs> to have it better, but uh, one of my counselors during the, during the sports season, he's usually gone every other week or whenever the youths are traveling. So he's actually, uh, or whenever BYU travels, sorry, when BYU football travels, he's always gone because he's a reporter for BYU football for one of our local newspapers here. So, oh, cool. so he's a writer for them. So he's gone some of the time. Our other, my other counselor, he's gone probably every other weekend too, just because him and his wife are retired and they like to go places. So, which is, which is pretty good, but we keep in touch all the time. We use text messaging all the time and we get on zoom every so often if something really important comes up or something or something. I have both of my counselors have attended ward council before, uh, when I was out of town or something traveling or something. Yeah. So they've all had that experience. Um, one of them, one of my counselors is, um, um, he, he just came back to the church. So he's been, he's been out for a while. Oh, wow. He just came back to the church. In fact, uh, something really special happened. Uh, it's been a, a couple of months ago. They, him and his wife just got sealed in the temple. So we were really excited about that. That was, that was a pretty neat pretty neat award function almost it was almost like a word party so it's uh -huh. kind of cool wow here in the bountiful temple that was really special um very very super super sharp guy 
Um, like I said, he's retired. He, he always asks me, you know, what, what more can I do? What do you want me to do today? That kind of thing. So he's always on top of it as well as my first counselor is always doing that too. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I love it. Love so, it. Well, Joseph, any other point or principle that we haven't talked about that uh, you want to make sure we talk about before we wrap up or how do we do? I think we did pretty good. Let's see. Um, oh, one thing, one thing that's, um, I think important and, and it's something that you brought up in several of your, uh, podcasts, several of the podcasts with other speakers and stuff that, that, you know, I've noticed for years and years and years. And that is, um, um, allowing opposite, opposite thought, right. Hmm, opposite, yeah. uh, ideas, right. Uh, diverse ideas, right. Diverse ideas type of stuff. And that's something that we also try to encourage our teachers with and, and, and our, our students with that, Hey, it's okay to speak up. And we, and we want you to speak up. If you don't, if you don't believe something or something just doesn't sound right to you, speak up, let's talk about it. Let's go through it. You know, we're not here to, to, you know, we're not here to cram stuff down people's throat in the, the quote unquote, uh, Latter-day Saint culture type stuff. Right and stuff like that. I'll tell you a story about that that relates to this. So cool. when I was when I was traveling a lot, I, I traveled to Vietnam about four or five times a year in my past life and my past jobs. And and while I was traveling there, Vietnam, when I first went there, there was no church there for Vietnam. No, no Latter-day Saint church. It's a communist country and they didn't allow it. But they had some expa- expats there that worked in the embassy that held church in their little home there. And then finally the government allowed for them to expand and, and they got a building and they started holding church there, but they weren't allowed to teach the gospel there. And then they expanded a little bit more that they allowed service missionaries to come to Vietnam and, and help out. Well, there was this couple there that had just come from Utah and they, they had um, gone to Vietnam and, and they were there brand new, brand new service missionaries, this couple, great couple, um, met them after church. And I asked them, so what's, what's going on with the mission? How's that going? So, oh, we're trying to, we're trying to get the war to, um, get their, uh, food storage going. <laughs> and I kind of looked at them like, okay, that sounds, sounds good, I guess. But understand the culture in Vietnam, there is no such thing as food storage. Yeah. I so every day you go to the store and buy what you're going to cook that night. They don't have, they don't have a lot of canned goods. Everything's fresh. You go to the market, you pick up your stuff, you feed your family that night. They don't have refrigerators typically in their homes, especially a lot. Most of them don't have refrigerators in their homes. Only the wealthy have refrigerators and stuff like that. So there's, so this idea of, of keeping food storage is kind of like foreign to them. And it would be, Culturally, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, their their apartments there are probably about the size of your living room. That includes a bedroom, a hot a hot plate. You know, the bathroom is down the hall, right? You share a bathroom. There's one bathroom for the entire hallway of your apartment complex. So food storage. So so again, it's this cultural thing. Like we got to teach them about food storage. It's really critical that they learn about food storage so they can be prepared where they're just eking out living. So I think a, a lot, a lot of your concepts and a lot of your past uh, podcasts have, have really, you know, emphasized that, that the cultural part of the LDS church is not necessarily the gospel. And we need to, 
need to be aware of that and, and be willing to give up that culture for what the gospel really truly is in that area. And so, it, yeah. so we try to emphasize that in our classrooms as well. And, and with the students that, Hey, it's okay to question. It's okay to talk about these things. It's okay to, you know, to, to look at, look at things from a different viewpoint. We encourage that. We try to encourage that. And I try to encourage the teachers to allow that and allow them to do that. So I think that's important. Love it. Love it. Well, Joseph, the last question I have for you is you're expecting is uh, as you reflect on your time as a leader in the church, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? You know, Kurt, with all, all the callings that I've had in the church, I think the the callings that the, the callings and the leadership that I had in the church has really taught me to appreciate the, the people and to actually look at the savior for how he loved the people, how he went out of his way and stopped when, you know, any time that he was needed, he stopped. Um, we had a state conference this weekend and, and elder holds that Okay. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he, he was a professor at BYU for a long time. And now he's uh, retired and he's, he's a general thirty seventy, and he's our area authority. So, so he was talking this weekend. And one thing that he brought up was the diversity that we have and, and how the say, Oh, one thing that he brought up was he, he showed us the video of the savior stopping to heal the widow's son who had passed away. Remember that little video? I don't remember, but it's very good. And very touching. And he, he emphasized how the Savior was probably going off to some meeting. And he ran across this widow and she was in need. And he stopped and took the time to minister to her, which was heal her son, you know, raise her son from the dead, right? Because her son was dead. And, um, you know, and he, and he talked about that and he said, that's how the Savior did it. And so, as you lead, you look at these people's lives and you look at their problems and their issues. And we all have problems and issues, of course, uh, that we go through. But as you as you look at their issues and stuff like that, you can empathize with them like the Savior did, you know. And and I think that's what leading in the church has really, really taught me is to look into the into the eyes of of our brothers and sisters and and just be there with them. You know, just be there with them in their in their hours of need and that. And that's what it's really all about. That's what we're all trying to do. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this in individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And uh, 
see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, solve the burden of meetings by visiting leadingsaints.org 14 and getting 14 days access to the Meetings with Saints virtual library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.